This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. All right, we are going to be in Genesis 1, verse 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Christian. Logic is helpful. To have logical reasoning can be really helpful in life. And there's some simple logic. Uh, so let me give you a, a, some this morning. So uh, this is deductive logic, and it says this. Uh, two truths. If two truths are true, then something else has to be true. So my car needs gas to run. Truth number one. Um, my car is out of gas. Therefore, my car will not run. Yeah, uh, I needed that deductive reasoning several times in my life. <laughs> um, kind of forgot that from time to time. And, uh, and I'd love to say, you know, when I was a teenager, just learning to drive. But reality is probably about three or four years ago, uh, the staff was all headed to lunch and we were driving, get this, on um, Coliseum and Coldwater, right at that intersection. <laughs> yep, and I ran out of gas. And they're so gracious, they never bring it up, never remind me of it or anything. It's just they're sweet about it. But yeah, yeah, logic. Logic can be really, really helpful. And uh, so today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some of the logic of the theology that we're talking about from Genesis chapter one, and we're gonna show you how that logic then plays out in a lot of areas of life. We are in a series we're calling Genesis, the foundation of theology, just the first part of Genesis. We're taking a theological approach, giving you some core theologies that you need to understand, and last week we began talking about the uh, image of God, or in Latin, the Imago Dei, the fact that all of us were created in the image of God. All mankind, all humans were created uniquely in the image of God. So my challenge over the last two weeks has been this. I will bear the image of God in my life because this is what I want for you. Listen, uh, passionate Worship is a distinctive. Applicational preaching is a distinctive. So I want to teach you theology, yes. Here's the image of God. Here's the theology. But I want to challenge you to actually live in it. That your tomorrow will be a little bit different because of the theology you learned today. 
And here's what it is. I want you to bear the image of God in your life. Last week we talked about how as you wander this earth and, and live your life, you represent God. You show the world what God looks like. When you love like God loves, when you're gracious like God is gracious, when you're kind like God is kind, you are showing the world that this is our God. So again, I'm gonna lay now this morning the, the same kind of principles, but we're gonna dive into some logical implications for what they mean. So here's logical foundation number one. All men were created in the image of God. Now when I say men, I mean all mankind or all humans. It is the way the Bible uses that word from time to time. So all men, all humans were created in the image of God. Logical foundation number two, all who are created in the image of God have a unique value. And what I mean by that is you're more valuable than a plant and you're more valuable than the animals. You have a unique value because you were created as human. Now, that kind of foundation being laid, I wanna first of all talk about some cultural implications. What are some implications as we navigate the culture around us how does that theology, that, those logical theologies, impact our views on things? Well, here's what I want you to do. Underneath uh, the cultural implications of the Imago Dei, I want you to write this down. Because all men are created in the image of God, so write that phrase down, and I'm gonna give you two kind of outcomes from that. Because all men are created in the image of God, that being true, two kind of things that we're gonna focus on. There's a lot we can focus on. This impacts a lot of our culture and the way we navigate it today. But, but here's one I want you to just to own this morning. Uh, even unborn life has equal value. Even unborn life has equal value. All right. The arguments against pro-life are changing. For as long as I can remember, the argument has been, oh, that glob of tissue in her womb is not really a life. That's been the argument. But as we've been more honest, and I mean we as a society, as we've been more honest about the reality of it, uh, you know, it has a beating heart. It moves. And if anyone found something with a beating heart on Mars, we would all say, oh, there's life. So... That's just scientific. That's just being smart, intelligent. And those who are against pro-life, who are pro-choice, they have stopped arguing that. So buckle up, this is gonna anger you this morning, and it's okay to anger you, there is a righteous anger. But uh, this is, um, I want you to get this, this is from a, a woman who is a very liberal, you're gonna see how liberal in a moment, and she wrote an article kind of addressing this very issue. And I want you to see this paragraph that she wrote here. Take a look. This is from a gal by the name of Mary Elizabeth Williams. And I'm not sure what it is. Is this some kind of a, I don't know if we do magazines anymore, but it wasn't something that, that she wrote. And she said this. When we try to act like a pregnancy doesn't involve human life, we wind up drawing stupid semantic lines in the sand. First trimester abortion versus second trimester versus late term. Dancing around the issue, trying to decide if there's a single magic moment when a fetus becomes a person. Are you human only when you're born? Only when you're viable outside of the womb? 
Are you less of a human life when you look like a tadpole than when you can suck on your own thumb? So we'd all look at that and say, right, preach it. That sounds very pro-life. But that's not all what the article says. Check this out. Here's a complicated reality in which we live. All life is not equal. Let that sink in for a second. That's horrific. That's a difficult thing for liberals like me to talk about, lest we wind up looking like death panel loving kill your grandma and your precious baby stormtroopers. Yet a fetus can be a human life without having the same rights as the woman in whose body it resides. Oh, really? She's the boss. Her life and what is right for her and her circumstances and her health should automatically trump the rights of the non-autonomous entity inside her always. Oh, really? That's the same ideology the Nazis had. That they get to determine which lives have value, which lives don't have value. All human life has equal value. Say it with me. All human life has equal value. Because all human life was created how? In the image of God. And this is what God lays down as the reason why capital punishment must be a thing. Here's Genesis 9, 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man, how? In his own image. This is why murder is wrong. This is why killing somebody else that way is wrong. Because they are made in the image of God, and so is that baby in the womb. Here's the deal. Our argument is no longer an argument of life. Our argument is an argument of image of God. We're all created in the image of God. Cultural impact, even unborn life has equal value. Now, um, when I begin talking about some of these political issues, please understand I only have 40 minutes to preach. That's all you guys give me is just 40 minutes. And I wish I had, at times, an hour and a half or two hours. Can I get a witness? Oh, well, all right. Well, thank you. (laughs) Buckle up. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, No, but but this one, okay, so I I say that because when I step into talking about this next topic, there's a massive amount of nuance and facets and angles and cultural implications. I get all of that, but let me help challenge your thinking a little bit. Because not only does all unborn life have equal value, all ethnicities have equal value. All ethnicities have equal value. Now, I get into this topic, and there's not a person in here who would consider themselves racist. And I understand that. But um, think about this for a moment. When you imagine Adam and Eve in your head, what do they look like? Maybe like this? Uh, by the way, a little hint, uh, be very careful when you Google pictures of Adam and Eve. Just be really, really careful. But, I mean, these guys look like, you know, I mean, like movie stars. But they look like our kind of movie stars in our day and age, in our culture. But what 
hair color did they really have? What eye color? What skin pigment did Adam and Eve have? And the reality is, we don't know. Ken Ham and Charles Ware wrote a book together. Charles Ware um, is an African-American pastor. I've actually had a chance to meet him a couple of times. Very intellectual. He was the president of Crossroads Bible College in Indianapolis for a while. But uh, they wrote this book called One Blood. And in the chapter that Charles Ware wrote, he said this, contrary to the belief of evolutionists, there's actually only one race, Adam's race. And Adam's race includes black people and white people, all human beings everywhere. Because here's what they believe, that all the genetic code for any variant we see today was already in Adam and Eve. And so when they had children, there could have been all kinds of different eye shapes and hair color and skin pigment. All of that was already in Adam and Eve, and that makes logical sense. But we have kind of Americanized or at least Western culturized our view of the Bible and how we picture uh, the people of the Bible. Like, because another example, talk about Jesus. What does Jesus actually look like? Which one of these two is probably closer to the truth of what Christ actually looked like? He was a Middle Eastern man. And he probably looked like a Middle Eastern man. Probably not like a hippie from the 60s or whatever that is over there. <laughs> And I want you to know, our God is a God who is winning an inheritance of nations. Let's get a little glimpse of heaven. This is Revelation 7, verse number 9. Check this out. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Check it. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Wow all people, all humans, created in the image of God, equal before the throne of God. All right, Pastor, why are you telling it? I mean, we kind of know this. We kind of know this. Um, I gotta be honest with you. In my pastoral ministry, I have been shocked by the racism that I have seen in the white evangelical church. Before I planted this church, I was pastoring somewhere else and we began to reach out to the uh, black community and um, we had a, um, several young black boys that began attending our church and I had one of the dads pull me aside and say, hey, how do I know my girls are safe with those boys in this church? And my response was, how did you know they were safe before? We've had lots of little boys in this church. What makes these boys any different? It was shocking, because we would all make the assumption that racism in America is dead. Get close to a black friend, and you're gonna find out it's not dead. And here's the truth that you, you really need to know. Our Nation's history is soiled with racial injustice. I'm going to say it that strongly again. Our nation's history is soiled with racial injustice. 
I was talking about it this week to, with Darren. Darren and I were talking about it, and he had just watched the movie Hidden Figures. We're talking about this movie Hidden Figures. Have you seen this movie? It's a really cool movie. And, and what you have, you have these three African-American women, actually a whole, whole group of them, uh, but the movie was kind of focusing on three of them, and these were highly intelligent black women who worked for NASA. And before there were computers, these were the computers. Math geniuses, but they were black. And so they had to go to black bathrooms. Because back in the day, that's how society worked. Back in the 60s. I was born in 1974, and I'm really young. So I know that that wasn't all that long ago. And she was, you know, one of these gals was brought to work with in the white section of NASA and to go to the bathroom should have to go a mile and a half there and a mile and a half back. It took her 40 minutes to go to the restroom. And, and, and that's injustice and that's just church. Not even the tip of the iceberg of what our history is littered with. And again, 1960, so we have thousands of African Americans who remember what it was like to live that way. And just like you would, if it was you, they've told their children and their grandchildren. And they've remembered these things. This is why when we see a news story about a young African-American man who was just killed by whatever, and there's riots, and those things are happening our first response should not be, well, what did he do to deserve it? Maybe our first response should be to weep with those who weep and to mourn with those who mourn and to say, maybe this was injustice, maybe it wasn't, but we have a history of injustice. And this isn't right and this isn't okay. Now, I understand some nuance here and that what we have happening in our culture currently is a pendulum swinging hard the other way. And now all of a sudden, we're villainizing our police officers who put their life on the line every single day for our safety. And we're villainizing the white people. And white racism against whites is just as wrong as racism against blacks because all of us were created in the image of God and therefore all of us have equal value. Say with me, all of us were created in the image of God and all of us have equal value, black or white. And this came across my transom this week. Maybe you saw it too. This was a tweet that got put out by some guy this week and says this. Uh, he's a, again, he writes for something online and all that, but he said this, before white people came to this land, meaning America, there were no jails, no homelessness, no laws against homosexuality or abortion. For thousands of years, indigenous peoples emphasized health, housing, freedom to love who you love, and the fact that you need Mother Earth. She doesn't need us. Yeah, before the white people came to America, this was a utopia, baby. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> Dude, read a history book. <laughs> before whites came to America, the indigenous people were killing one another and sacrificing young girls to false gods. And I tell you, it, is not, it was not the utopia they make it out to be. And that can go on and on. There's so many cultural issues. Euthanasia, 
I'm against it. Why? Because all men were created in the image of God and all men have equal value. Women's rights, I'm for it. Women should have equal rights as men. Get paid the same. Boy, Pastor, you're sounding really woke this morning. Okay. I'm okay with sounding a bit woke as long as I'm biblical about it. Because listen to me, the theology is important, and it's a theology that should drive our ideology, not the other way around. Theology is important, and it's a theology that should drive our ideology, not the other way around. So I'm all for women's rights. I'm all for racial reconciliation. I'm all for all those things, because the Bible is. And all men are created equal. That's my challenge. As you navigate life, let your theology, and the question is not what is culturally right or what is my political affiliation believe, the question is, what does the Bible say? Ask that question with me, if you would, please. What does the Bible say? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what does the Bible say? Let's get the Word of God as our foundation firmly. Now, here's the thing that I care about the most, not just the cultural implications. I do care about that because I want your ideology to be driven by your theology and not the other way around. But here's what I'm talking about this morning. I want to talk about the personal implications of the Imago Dei, the personal implications. How should this change your life? Not only is, like I said before, not only is passionate worship uh, distinctive of our church, applicational preaching, how do I live this? How does this impact me? So let's, let's dive in a little bit. Now, I know uh, some of you are OCD, and I love you. Uh, but here's what you need to do. You have a C on your notes, cross off the C. I reorganized things last night. I didn't like what I had, so I kind of reorganized it, repackaged it. So I'm gonna give you an A, and I'm gonna give you a B, and I'm not gonna give you a C, but right now you can feel okay about that because you've crossed it off, and it's not gonna be a blank on your notes, right? Everyone still love me? Okay, here we go. Uh, the personal vacations. Here's number one. Let's talk about the problem of sin, the problem of sin. Uh, a couple things here. Do you know this? Sin has marred our ability to effectively reflect the image of God. Sin has impacted the image of God in our life. So man is created, he's created in the image of God, but man can do something that God cannot do, and that is man can sin. And so he does. Look at your Bible, go to Genesis chapter three. Um, we have uh, planned this out in such a way that uh, we're gonna get to this really, really soon. We're actually gonna talk about marriage in a couple of sermons. Then we're gonna talk about the fall uh, on a Sunday morning and then on Good Friday, we're gonna talk about the fall again, uh, all getting to this promise we have in Genesis three of a coming savior. That's gonna be Easter morning, so we're heading there right now. So we're gonna focus a lot more on the fall when we get there. But for right now, I want you to take a look at verse number six of Genesis chapter three. Genesis three, six says this. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. See, God had said, don't eat of that tree. But they ate of the tree, and therefore they sinned. And because they sinned, they have marred the image of God. Think about this. Whenever we sin, <laughs> we mar the image of God in our life. Here's an example. 
when we lie, we do something that God would never do. Because the Bible says that God cannot lie. Here is Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. So when we lie, it's exactly the opposite of God. And it has marred our ability to be image bearers of God. When we worry and we fear, God never worries. God is not fearful. So when we do that, we display something that is not God to the people around us. And sin has marred the, our ability to shine forth the image of God. But good news, sin has not destroyed the image of God in our life. We still have the image of God. All men have it. In fact, here's Genesis 9, 6 again. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. So this is talking about murder and even then, even though men are murderers, they still bear the image of God. Genesis, or sorry, James 3, 9, we see this. Talking about our tongue, by the way. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It's saying all people are made in the likeness of God. So everybody has uh, the, the image of God in their life. Problem of sin, it mars it, but the good news it hasn't destroyed it, and it can be restored. So here's then letter B, the power of sanctification. So we have the problem of sin, and we have the power of sanctification. Ethan's here this morning. Good morning, Ethan. You're on the pastoral track. Get up here, because you get to be in front of people a lot in your life. So I'm gonna borrow Ethan for a second. And Dane's over there laughing at him. Dane, come on up here too, if you would, please. All right. Yeah, big brother, little brother, I know how it goes. In fact, I'm gonna, sit over here, you're gonna be Jesus, and uh, you're gonna be man. <laughs> Teach you to laugh at your brother. Um, God created man, there was a perfect relationship. The man sinned and turned his back on God. And God, yeah, go ahead and turn, you're okay. He's nervous. <laughs> uh, but God, in his righteousness and holiness, had to turn his back on man. But God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, go ahead and stretch your arms like you're dying on the cross. There you go, all right. And that, that gave God the ability to turn back to man because his sin was paid for and gave man the ability to turn back to God. Thank you, Ethan. So this has now been restored. And positionally, the moment that Dane accepts Christ as, accepted Christ as his savior, that moment, positionally, he was sanctified. He was holy. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteous of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. So we have God's righteousness positionally. Now is that true 100% practically in our life? Say no. Mom, is that true for Dane? Is he perfectly holy in his walk? No. Yes, he is. <laughs> but he is growing to progressively become more and more like God. And one day, he's gonna be in heaven where he will both positionally and practically be completely sanctified. Go ahead and have a seat, Dane. Thank you for your help. And love your brother. Don't laugh at him. Um, we're on this progressive sanctification track right now. So yes, sin has marred it, has not destroyed it though. And we can grow. 
Now, God has set a very high bar, a very high bar for us. Here's the bar that God has set. 1 Peter 1.16, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. <laughs> okay, so the bar is the holiness of God. That's the bar. And you see it other places in scripture. Here's Leviticus 11.45. Uh, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be Holy, for I am holy. Now, Paul puts this in a little different language. And this is really, really cool. Because you need to see this. This is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, where Paul said this. Therefore, be imitators of God. So that's really similar. But look at what he says. This is so cool. As beloved children... And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So um, when I joined the army, uh, they taught us to walk a certain way, to, to hold ourselves a certain way, and to talk a certain way. But I can say it wasn't as beloved children. It was as prisoners and uh, subjects. Do this, soldier, do this, soldier, do this. And we had to, oh, yes, sir, yeah. But imagine the difference of that compared to a room full of kids where they know that they're loved, they know that they're cared for, and how do they mimic? So the word uh, be imitators is a word where we get the word mimic from. And so you guys be just loved children, and I say, everybody, clap your hands, and you're all gonna, you're all gonna... Clap your hands. Everybody wave your hands. Everyone's gonna wave their hands. Some of you aren't waving your hands. Come on, no, all right? But you see how that, because we're loved, because we're loved, we, we imitate. And that's what God is saying to you. Listen, fueled by the love of Jesus, let's grow into more and more holiness. Now, what does this look like? How do we do it as a church? Go to Ephesians chapter um, Four for a minute. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, and I want you to look at verse number eleven, and we're going to come back, of course, to Genesis in a minute. But let's focus on Ephesians four for a second here. Verse number 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so here's what this is saying. I have a job. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body. So we're, we're a church, man. We're doing church things. And every Sunday you come and every day the staff is planning things and working toward things. What's our goal? What are we after? What are we trying to accomplish? So here's verse 12 again, for the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, check this now, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Here's verse 15 now, check this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We're a church. 
We come every Sunday and we're preaching. Every day the staff is talking about programs and, and what we're doing. And what are we trying to do? What are we trying to produce? Here's, here it is, Christ-likeness. Me, more like Jesus. And you, more like Jesus. Say that with me. Me, more like Jesus. And you, more like Jesus. That's what we're after. Because here's the beauty of all this. God creates man in his own image. Hey, be like God. Well, what does that even look like in real life? Well, he gave us Jesus. And the Bible says this in John chapter one. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. You want to know what it looks like to perfectly live in the image of Christ, uh, image of God, then live and be like Jesus. Love like Jesus loved. Show grace like he showed grace. What did he do when he was here on the earth? He went to the least of these. He broke cultural, racial barriers. He went to the woman, a Samaritan woman, in broad daylight and talked to her about her deepest needs. He touched the leper. He exhausted himself in love for other people. And we're to have the same mind, the same spirit, it's like, a, it's like a template. You know what a template is? Um, I, I use them in Excel quite a bit or Word or whatever, but think about like a wood template. And I just grabbed this off the internet, looked up templates. This is what came up. But you see some of the, the, the flower back there is all these little shapes. And what you would do is you would take like a, you know, a piece of cardboard or something that has that shape and you would lay it down on a piece of wood and trace it out. And then what you would do is you would cut away anything that doesn't fit within that template. You would shave all of that off and then that becomes a thing. And so when I laid the template of Jesus over your life, what needs to get cut away? What needs to grow to fill it in? See, what we tend to do is we tend to compare ourselves to one another while well, I'm better than such and such. Or we compare ourselves to our former self, well, at least I'm not like I was. Now, I think there's value in seeing growth for sure. But again, what's the bar? Be ye holy as I am holy. Only Christ-likeness, that's the bar, and we have a long way to go. So it begs the question then, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? 
Well, we'll look at the text. We're going to focus on Ephesians 4 for just a second and take a look at what the text says. So we see this again in verse number uh, 12. So he gives pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Here it is, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all obtain to the unity of the faith. So building each other up. That's one way to make us more like Jesus, according to this text, when you put your time and your energy and your effort into this thing we're doing called the church, and you are working with each other and laboring together, you are helping us become more like Christ. Here's this, look at 15 again, another place this is found. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ. Here's another way we have to go, by speaking truthfully to each other in love. Do you have someone in your life who's willing to come alongside you and say, bro, or sis? What do girls call each other? Guys are like, bro, okay. A chew. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Poor Don. No one heard Don. You're okay. No one knows it's you, okay? They don't know, so we're, we're okay. Um, what you just said there, what you just did, that wasn't like Jesus. Is someone willing to come alongside you and say that? And are you willing to hear that from somebody? Speaking the truth in love. I love you, but you need to grow in this. Here's another way from a different text. This is from 2 Corinthians 3.18. We use this a lot, but I love this. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Do you get it? When we just stare at Jesus, behold Jesus, think about Jesus, put Jesus in front of us as we just behold his glory, it changes us into that same image from one degree of glory to the next one. So yeah, behold Jesus, that's the way we grow in to become more like Christ. If only there was a place, man, where we could get together with other people and build each other up and speak the truth in love and see Jesus on a regular basis. If only there was a place like that. <laughs> and we strive to be that here at Redemption. I don't, I, you know, 20 years from now, I don't want someone to look back and say, wow, pastor whoever was amazing. We're gonna look back and say, I went there and I learned more about how amazing Jesus was. Let's lean in together. Let's love each other. Let's help each other grow. Because, listen, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I did that in the plural, but let's do it all together as it's written to say it. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Something amazing happens when you behold Jesus and you hear about Jesus and you fall in love with the grace upon grace that you've received from Jesus. Something happens with that, and that is you can't wait to tell somebody else about Jesus. So um, um, the, I went to this restaurant uh, a while back ago, a couple years ago, and uh, it was 
was actually a Vietnamese restaurant, and they had this delicious, uh, there's chicken in it, and there's all these veggies in it, and the sauce was killer, and had little noodles, and man, I'm telling you, you gotta check it out. You gotta check out Kim Vu's. By the way, on Yelp, uh, there was a, the, you know, 10 best restaurants, or Yelp reviewed restaurants in Fort Wayne. V, uh, Kim Vu was number one, and there were like, uh, seven of the others were all, Thai restaurants, so go Thai. Can I get a witness? Thai restaurants uh, for the win. Uh, but, but it's what you do, man. You experience something, you behold it, you enjoy it, you savor it, and you want other people to do that as well. How much are you savoring Jesus? I'm saying the more you savor Jesus and love Jesus and think about Jesus and sing to Jesus and listen to songs that stir your affections toward Jesus, the more you're living in that love relationship, the more you're gonna be like him and the more you're gonna display him and live out the image of God in your life. It is all about Jesus. Let's say it again together, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Flip to the next slide, if you would, please. Just go on to that last slide of the whole presentation. Let's do it again. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Father, we need your help with that because we are a people who sin and our sin has marred the image of God in our life, but we wanna be people who live in it and display you. We wanna be a people, Father, whose ideology is based upon solid theology. And Father, we would pray that you would help us to grow in all of that as we just bask in the love and the grace upon grace that we've received from your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You have four and a half minutes to take a little nap before you get your kids if you want to. Uh, otherwise, you are loved. <laughs>